Okay, so we come to our presentation on the state of the church in 2024. The order that I am going to go about this is I'm going to start by looking at the state of the church from a global perspective. Then we're going to zoom into the United States of America and look at the state of the church in America, and then specifically talk about the state of the church here in Rockford, Illinois. And at the very end, we're going to have just a couple of applications for us. So here are my objectives in, in doing this tonight. The first one is to simply use the available data that we have to inform us of the global, national, and local adherence to various sectors of religion. So I said this is a presentation on the state of the church. I'm also going to be bringing up several different false religions and various other different religious bodies as well. The second is this, to stir our affection for Christ and His church globally, nationally, and locally. Monday night, we finished watching some some college football and then uh, went to bed probably shortly after 10 o'clock and then I made the terrible mistake of starting to work on this PowerPoint again before I went to bed. And um, it was a mistake because working through this information, it just impacts me to, to see what's going on in the world. There's so many encouraging things that we can rejoice in the Lord over, but there's so many things that just burden our hearts, or ought to burden our hearts. And I pray that this presentation would have that effect on you as well, that it would stir your affection for Christ and His church. And then third, um, it was Tozer who said um, to pray for something and then um, not put your hand to the plow. It's to pray one way and then walk another. And so I, I hope that this encourages us all to mobilize the troops here in Grace Reformed Baptist Church to strategic action in prayer and evangelism and the ministry of the Word for the glory of God. Here are some of the resources that I made use of in order to get this presentation pulled together. Um, for the global church, I really relied heavily on the Center for the Study of Global Christianity. That's located at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. They really do a fantastic job of providing resources on global Christianity. They actually have um, more uh, accurate definitions, which I'll talk about in, in a minute, and so they provide some very accurate data. Unfortunately, as an individual, you can't have access to everything that they have. You have to be an institution in order to access all of it. But they were very helpful. Then the other for the national and local uh, studies on uh, religion and Christianity. I depended heavily on the 2020 U.S. Religion Census, which is aggregated and supplied through ARDA and um, gives some really good information. Um, then also you have the Pew Research Center. They have tons of helpful articles and tons of information on all sorts of different things pertaining to the church and just culture in general. And then the last one is Ready to Harvest Denominations Research. I would encourage you all to write that down somewhere. Make note of that. Uh, Ready to Harvest is uh, just one man who spends a ton of time researching denominations and supplying information on these denominations in a very helpful format. He has a YouTube channel, and that's where I went to get a lot of this, this stuff that I'm showing tonight. Yet with all this good data, there is also limitations that we have. Um, one of the first major limitations is just defining terms. Things like evangelical or Protestant or Orthodox or Christian might mean something in a certain country or in a, through a certain research institution, while other institutions have completely different definitions. Um, some will refer to a Christian in such broad terms, it's, it's, it just baffles you that they would even lump them together. So that's a challenge. The other is just the sheer accuracy of the data. Um, some researchers are more stringent in their criteria than others. Um, many denominations, they just don't report accurate numbers. And membership standards can vary from denomination to denomination and from individual to individual. So someone could never attend the Episcopal Church in 15 years, but when they uh, write to a census, they're going to say, I'm an Episcopalian. And... Like, well, okay, while other uh, denominations, you just wouldn't find as much of that happening. So there are limits, 
but nevertheless, this is the best access to information that we have available to us. So we'll start with uh, global Christianity. We'll talk first about just global Protestant denominations. I think this is an important point to cover. Um, It's happened to me several times interacting particularly with Roman Catholics where they say, well, there's 45,000 different Protestant denominations in the world, so how can you trust that you've found the one that has the truth? Where does that statement come from? Mainly comes from the World Christian Encyclopedia, which was first published in 1982 by a man named David Barrett, who did a phenomenal work in collecting all this information about the state of global Christianity and putting it into a book. That went through two more editions with Todd Johnson and Gina Zarillo, and they ended up with the final number of 45,000 different Protestant denominations. So, in order to figure out what they meant by that, we have to look at how they define what a denomination is. They define it as such. It's an organized aggregate of worship centers or congregations of similar ecclesiastical tradition within a specific country. So, if a denomination crosses into more than one country, that's two denominations. You see how the numbers can get inflated very quickly. On top of that, They say in their introduction, Christianity consists of six major ecclesiastico-cultural blocks divided into 300 major ecclesiastical traditions. So of those 300 or so, about 250 to 270 would fall in the category of Protestant. That's probably more along the lines of what we think of when we're thinking of denominations from a global perspective. So how many Protestant denominations actually exist globally? Well, there could be as many as 1,500 because of the way that things work, but it's impossible to know that for sure. Um, Through the the U.S. religion uh, census, there was about 280 Protestant denominations in the United States, Um, and that's with a pretty broad definition of of Protestant. And it's just important to note that uh, Roman Catholicism and many other false religions often make it seem like they're quite united because we've got one church and that's not often, that, that's really not the case. Um, and we especially are seeing that recently with the recent uh, pronouncement from the Pope about blessing homosexual marriages. There's a lot of disunity and consternation happening in the world of Roman Catholicism. So it's important to note that. So then according to the Center for the Study of Global Christianity, Um, They put out an annual status of global Christianity report. And according to that information, how many people actually have Protestant affiliation globally? And note, of course, the word affiliation. This is not going to be everybody in this number is a card-carrying Anglican or Baptist or, or whatever it would be. This is those who affiliate with Protestantism. That number is about 615 million people across the globe. And that accounts for 7.65% of the global global population in 2023, which is right around 8 billion. Well, how many of those people would have an evangelical affiliation globally? Of the 615 million people on the globe, roughly... 400 million would be associated with evangelicalism. That makes about 5% of the global population in 2023. Now, under that broad definition of evangelicalism, there is several different churches that we would definitely question how solid they are. You understand what I mean. So if we take that that 5%, I want us to just pause and think for a second. If we're being extremely generous with our thinking and we were to say that half of that 5% is actually born again, that means that there's 2.5% of the people alive today that actually know the living God. 97.5% of the world find themselves today on the path to hell. It's astounding. 
It's humbling. It's important to know how they define what an evangelical is. This is the definition from Gordon Conwell and from the the study itself. Uh, The key elements really are, it's those who refer to themselves as evangelicals. There's a commitment to personal religion, um, especially about the new birth or personal conversion experience. And there's a reliance on Scripture and an emphasis on preaching and evangelism. And uh, usually very conservative in their theology. So that's their definition of evangelical. They had the most robust uh, system of gathering data and had the best definitions. And so that's what they're working with. So then, using that information, according to the Center for the Study of Global Christianity, which continent or cultural block, really, has the most Protestants? They don't divide it by actual continents like you, like we would. Um, for example, they'll have uh, Northern America and Latin America separated, so Mexico being included in with South America um, and several other different ones that you see. But nevertheless, the question, which continent has the most Protestants? It might surprise you what the answer is. It is Africa. Africa has the most Protestants and it's not even close. There's almost half the Protestants in the world in Africa today. 228 million. The second would be Asia with about 99 million. So there's more than double that amount in in Africa alone. Then you have Asia at 99 million, followed by Europe at 90 million, followed by Latin America at 66 million, followed by Northern America at 61 million, and Oceania, that'd be Australia, and several island countries around there at about 13 million. Australia needs the gospel. There's certainly a lot less people in that particular continental or cultural block, but they need the gospel. And then, of course, you have Antarctica. I sent them an email. haven't heard back yet. I'll try and get back to you soon. This shows how that has developed over the course of the years, uh, of the past 500 years since uh, Luther nailed his 95 theses to the to the door of the church at Wittenberg. And you saw, or you can see, how Europe for a very long time was really the center of Protestant Christianity far surpassing any other country. Until about 1950, when there was a widespread influence of Protestantism in the continent of Africa. And since then, they had a dramatic spike in adherence to Protestant beliefs. And so now you can see where that status is today. Uh, Northern America, we can see how in the 1800s there was certainly gaining influence, but things have really leveled off since the early 1900s and shown a slight decrease over that stretch of time. Well, let's look at at specific countries. Now, I'm not sure how well you guys can read this. Um, So I'll try to um, read the important information here. What this is showing in this left half of the screen is the countries with the largest populations of Protestants, both in the year and then in the the right-hand column. So you can see, just by sheer volume, where were the most Protestants. In 1910, it was the United States with 42 million Protestants. In 2015, that number increased from 42 million to 56 million. You can see in 1910s, it's a lot of um, North American and European countries filling the top 10. You can see Canada there, the United States, the United Kingdom at second, Germany, Sweden, and the Netherlands, and so on down. Well, that looks completely different just 105 years later. And one particularly interesting one is Nigeria coming in at number two. So the second most Protestants or Protestant affiliates in the world today are found in Nigeria. And it's soon to pass the United States. In 2015, they were only about three million behind us. I'm sure if we were to look at the numbers today, they probably have passed us. Um, So it's very fascinating. Not what I would have thought when I first went about looking at this data. Then in this right-hand block, you can see um, 
the countries that have been uh, the fastest growing in Christianity, um, either in the stretch from 1910 to 2015 or in the years 2005 to 2015. So this is more long-term growth and uh, more recent growth on the right side. What I noted is all the, a lot of the countries um, in the right side of this graph showing the fastest growth of Christianity of any country are all very close to Nigeria. tells me that there is at least some influence taking place from Nigeria and the surrounding countries there in West Africa. So very fascinating. Let's talk about the growth of global religions. I don't think it will surprise anyone that as a whole religious body, Islam is the fastest growing religion worldwide at a rate of 1.87% per year from 2000 to 2023. And again, this is at, off of that annual report. Now, I've had people ask me when, when we talk about the growth of Islam, um, they'll say things like, well, well, does that scare you? I say, no, it doesn't scare me at all. There's an empty tomb in Jerusalem and there's one full of Muhammad's bones there in Medina. I don't fear Islam. I pity them. They need the gospel. We don't need to fear anything when our God is Yahweh. And so we can be encouraged in knowing that God is going to do His work. It doesn't make any difference if it's Islam or Roman Catholicism or whatever worldly ideology is winning the day. We can be encouraged because we're on the winning side. You work the rest of the way down that list and you see Sikhs are growing very fast. I don't know much about Sikhism, but um, it's one of the fastest growing religions in the world today. And the third is then religionists. I tried finding a firm definition of that, and really what it comes down to is people who make their own religion, essentially, that they're just broadly associated with some sort of higher power without having any clear defined terms set to it. From there, you have Hindus and then Christianity at about 1.18%. Now, the global population growth rate is right at 1.18%. So you need to be exceeding that to really have any actual gain taking place. So Christianity as a whole, under the broad banner of that definition, seems like it's it's just barely staying afloat. Well, let's look closer into more various groups Within Christianity, what is the fastest growing group of Christians today? It is, by far, the Pentecostals and Charismatics at 1.88% per year. So they're growing very, very rapidly. Um, A lot of that growth is taking place in Africa. I have a friend who's a missionary in South Africa, and Pentecostal and Charismatic influence there is huge, huge and growing. What do we make of that? Well, In looking at Pentecostalism, there are faithful gospel-preaching churches who are Pentecostal. And when they are genuinely reaching people with the gospel and people are repenting and trusting in Christ, we rejoice at that. Praise God. May He use them mightily. However, we also need to know that within the the banner of um, Pentecostals and Charismatics, There are evangelical, gospel-believing Pentecostals and Charismatics, and there are many that are very far away from evangelicalism. Uh, Many who would not be preaching the gospel. It would be some form of the prosperity gospel. Um, Many who would make speaking in tongues or various other uh, spiritual gifts necessity of salvation, necessary in order to be saved. Others who deny the doctrine of the Trinity. And so it's a mixed bag. It's hard to be confident in what that really means. The second category down would be evangelicals, uh, growing at a rate of 1.79%. So, conservative Bible-believing Christianity as a whole is growing, and it's outpacing the growth of Christianity as a whole. The next category down, independence. You might think that means independent Baptist. No, that's not what that means. That's talking about really Mormonism, and um, Jehovah's Witnesses and a couple of other independent religions that are also seeing a pretty significant growth year over year. Um, Protestantism in general is growing at a rate far 
exceeding the Roman Catholic Church and the Roman Catholic Church as a whole globally is actually decreasing year over year, losing influence. So that's the the study of global Christianity. Now we'll take a look at American Christianity. So, as I mentioned at the beginning, the global data comes from Gordon Conwell. This information that we're about to go through comes from the 2020 U.S. Religion Census. So it's not the most up-to-date information like the 2023 information that we just looked at. However, this is still the best information that we have access to. Um, It's more generous with its definition. You'll see some of the numbers will look a little different than what we just saw. Um, But it's significantly more accurate than the General Social Survey of 2018 or the National Opinion Research Center or there's a group called PRRI. I don't even know what it stands for, but I just don't trust their data. And so this was the best large-scale nationwide data that we have access to. And again, this is adherence to these various different denominational groups, not necessarily members. The population of America at this time of the survey was about 331.5 million. So let's take a look at American religion. This is how it breaks down uh, by the eight um, biggest groups of religious bodies in the United States. Protestantism is number one. So if we go back at just a couple of slides, uh, that slide from Gordon Conwell said there was about 56 million Protestants in the United States. That's because that's using much more accurate terms than to define what a Protestant is than what the census is. The census is just really getting group data. And so you can see once that breaks down further, Evangelical Protestantism is closer to that Gordon Conwell number at about 54 million. Then we'll take a look at Evangelical Protestantism and Mainline, and um, there's also a section on the 2020 census for Black Protestantism. Below that, we have 61.8 million Catholics in the United States or some way um, adhering to the Roman Catholic Church. I'm quite positive we don't have 61 million people attending Roman Catholic churches, um, but that's the number of affiliates. From there, the next largest group is Mormonism, followed by Islam, Jehovah's Witnesses, Hindu, Orthodox, and Buddhist. Let's dive deeper into mainline Protestantism. So what is a mainline church? This would be in a historic Uh, established group of churches that represent the oldest and most influential branches of Protestantism, and they are theologically, socially, and politically quite liberal. The, The best way to look at this is to look at the seven sisters of mainline Protestantism in the United States. That would include the United Methodist Church, which is by far the largest, with about 8 million people claiming the name of United Methodist followed by the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America at 3 million, the Episcopal Church, the Presbyterian Church in the USA, American Baptist Churches in the USA, the United Church of Christ, the Christian Church Disciples of Christ, and that's all the seven sisters. I did include the Reformed Church in America. Um, That's a Dutch Reformed group. That was actually the first denomination in the United States, and I think it's just interesting to take a look at them as well. Um, That's numbers. A huge body of people still belonging to these mainline traditions. Well, how about since 2010, the the, the 2010 U.S. Religion uh, Census compared to the 2020 U.S. Religion Census? What's been the increase or decrease? Obviously, across the board, every single one of these mainline churches is bleeding and bleeding quickly. They are losing members by the droves. Um, as much as the PCUSA losing 39% of its membership over those 10 years. And I don't think this even tells the whole story. This is just, again, census data. I think, um, for example, the Episcopal Church, I know that they don't keep very stringent records of who actually belongs to the church and who doesn't. So someone could be long removed from the Episcopal Church and still be counted amongst their ranks or still claim some affiliation with them, if that makes sense. 
So that's what's going on in mainline Protestantism today. Now, why is the decline? You know, I just can't put my finger on why people would be leaving these churches. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. In reality, um, as these churches cave to the culture, they become less about a united faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and pursuing after obedience to God's revelation to adapting cultural views and allowing the culture to influence the church. These are not devoted believers. These are social clubs. And when times get hard or when views change, what's going to keep you serving a local church when, when you can't even count on it actually giving you the truth that it claims to hold? This is, uh, we can laugh at this, but it's absolutely heartbreaking. These are people that have been enslaved to a false ideology and uh, they continue to follow it. You can't read this, but um, that YouTube video that's covered up right there, that's a, a video that says, as its title, a Methodist drag queen named Pentecost teaches the mystery of queer holiness from Mark 15. The bottom left video, it says, an Iowa church prays to the God of pronouns, the great they-them. In 2003, the Episcopal Church appointed openly the first openly homosexual bishop. In 2005, the United Church of Christ started permitting same-sex marriage. 2009, ALCA followed suit. 2010, PCUSA copies what ALCA did. Um, 2014, the PCUSA changes their definition of marriage. Notice their definition of marriage. God didn't change His definition. 2015, the Episcopal Church allows for homosexual marriage. Uh, 2023, both the United Methodist Church and the Reformed Church in America are splitting over issues regarding homosexual clergy. And so, all of this serves the what I spoke of earlier, why these churches are just absolutely bleeding out at this time. So let's look at evangelical Protestantism. The largest denomination of evangelical Protestants today are non-denominational. So if non-denominational churches could be a denomination, which they're very adamant about not being, they would be the largest denomination. There's about 21 million people adhering to the the label of non-denominational. That's a growth of 8.8 million in the past 10 years. Does anyone see a trend taking place? That's a growth of 72.3% over that 10-year period. So what do we make of that? Well, I think that um, you guys will be, you guys have heard of the movement of Reformed Baptist churches that's taking place across the United States. We'll talk about that more in just a little bit. It's very, very exciting. I think a lot of the Reformed Baptist churches would fall under the, the label of non-denominational. Same with many of the churches being planted through uh, groups like the Masters Academy International and the Masters Seminary. Um, many of them are non-denominational. I can say by looking at uh, many of the non-denominational churches here in Rockford, many of them have the gospel. And so I think that's a lot of good things that are taking place in that growth. However... Uh, there's also many non-denominational churches that might be a little bit concerning um, as far as what they teach. Second largest group is the Southern Baptist Convention. It's really hard to estimate the impact that the Southern Baptist Convention has had on the United States of America. This is by far the largest actual claimed denomination. Of course, they even wouldn't say that they're a denomination, they'd say that they're a, a convention of autonomous local churches. But um, as of 2020, there was about 17.6 people that would claim the name of Southern Baptist. Now, that's gone down significantly in those 10 years, um, some bleeding taking place in the SBC, uh, but nevertheless, a very influential denomination, and many, many good things have come from the SBC. By the way, over a third, over a third of 
ministers who are Protestant in the United States today are trained in an SBC seminary. Pretty amazing. Next would be the Assemblies of God, seeing about a 5% growth in those 10 years at 3 million members. The Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Then you have the Churches of Christ, the Christian Churches and Churches of Christ. The Church of God Cleveland, Tennessee. The Church of God Anderson, Indiana. Yes, there is a difference. Now, I highlighted all four of those because this is what the census considered evangelical Protestant. But if I look at all four of those, I would say that none of them are evangelical. The churches of Christ believe in baptismal regeneration. You must be baptized in order to be saved. The Church of God Cleveland, Tennessee and Church of God Anderson, Indiana are both offshoots of Wesleyan holiness where they believe in a second work of grace and um, entire sanctification that you get to the point where you stop sinning. And um, I certainly would just not consider these evangelical groups. Nevertheless, they were included in in that, in the census. And actually, the Church of God Anderson, Indiana showed the, the largest percentage of growth over those 10 years. Then you have the Christian Missionary Alliance, the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod or Wells Church. Then you have the PCA. Many of us would be familiar with the PCA. Uh, we're excited to see quite a bit of growth coming from our Presbyterian brothers and sisters. And then uh, the last would be Foursquare. After Foursquare, the, the denominations get significantly smaller and smaller, according to the report. So that's kind of a screenshot of the 12 largest, quote-unquote, evangelical Protestant denominations in the United States and whether they're growing or shrinking today. If we zoom in just a little bit and get into some of the groups that we're maybe more familiar with, this is the way things are today. So maybe more in the Reformed or Calvinistic camp. So the Presbyterian Church in America we talked about is uh, experiencing quite a bit of growth, which we're very encouraged by. Praise the Lord for that. And then you have the Orthodox Presbyterian Church also growing at a rate of 7% over those years. The Protestant Reformed Church, which would be a very strict sect of Dutch Reformed world, was showing uh, about a thousand bits of growth. I don't think that's coming through evangelism since they don't do that. But nevertheless, they had a thousand people grow. Now, I know that since 2020 in this survey, they've lost about 1,500 people going through a massive denominational split. So, it's kind of interesting. The Covenanters, which would be the Reformed Presbyterian Church in the USA, uh, saw just a slight uptick in growth. Um, that would be our, our lovely a cappella singing exclusive psalmody Presbyterians that we love. And um, then you have the Christian Reformed Church, which uh, has been the largest Dutch Reformed denomination. That would be the denomination that I grew up in uh, up until I was about 13 years old. And they are shrinking rapidly. Um, and I think a, a large bit has to do with their shift in theologically as well. What about Sovereign Grace Churches or Reformed Baptists? Well, Sovereign Grace Churches, we know they have 67 churches in the United States of America. This would be Calvinistic Baptists who are continuationist. Um, many good things, good people in those churches. It's hard to know, though, what is the actual number of members and whether or not they're growing because they're a denomination, but they're also autonomous, so they just don't report these things as well. Same with Reformed Baptists. Some Reformed Baptist churches will associate with other Reformed Baptist churches and report their numbers. Others are just operating on an island, and so you have no idea what's going on. But we can look at some associated Reformed Baptist networks and um, associations of various kinds and see where is the spread happening or where is the influence of Reformed Baptist churches taking place in the United States. In the top left, we have Founders Ministries, page of uh, Founders Churches. I believe to be a founder's church, you have to be a 1689 confessional church and part of the SBC. So you can see um, some of these dots here have numbers on them. So there's, I think, a number five right there. So there's five churches around that dot. Um, and they're spreading across the United States. The upper right-hand corner is the G3 church network, where, again, you must be confessional to be a part of the network. 
You also have to sign on to the Chicago Statement of Biblical Inerrancy and the Dallas Statement on Human Sexuality, or, or I forget what it's called. Um, but anyways, they're a conservative group of, of confessional Baptists as well, with many churches part of their network. Uh, this is Reformed Baptist Network in the bottom left hand, and then the Pillar Network, which is a conservative church planting arm of the SBC. Um, and many of those churches would at least be Calvinistic in their soteriology, um, but not distinctly Reformed. Okay, what about false religions in the United States? What's taking place with those who do not believe in the true and exclusive saving gospel of the finished work of Jesus Christ? Well, the largest group is certainly Roman Catholicism. And as we mentioned earlier, there's a, an adherence rate of about 61 million amongst Roman Catholics in the United States. That number from 2010 to 2020 grew to, by 2.9 million. Um, several things are contributing to that. Um, one of the largest influences is immigration um, and various other things. Second largest false religious group would be Mormonism at 6.7 million. They're growing at a pretty significant rate in the United States. Most of that taking place in the western United States, in Utah, in Idaho. I was surrounded by Mormons when I lived out in Idaho. Islam is the fastest growing. Again, immigration has a lot to do with this, but there's 4.4 million adherents to Islam. The Jehovah's Witness are a very mysterious group. You can't get much information from them. They, you can know that they're reporting about 3 million. We don't know if they're growing, shrinking, or what they're doing. Judaism is shrinking um, with about 2 million adherents. Seventh-day Adventists at about 1.3 million with some growth behind them as well. Buddhism seems to be growing in the United States. Same with Hinduism, but they, again, they don't report very many numbers. Uh, Orthodox lumping all together the Serbian Orthodox, the Greek Orthodox, the Russian Orthodox, all of them. Um, that's at uh, a slightly growing rate. Um, the Amish and the Hutterites, I want to talk about them for just a moment. They're growing significantly, very quickly. In that same time period, actually stretch that out uh, from about the 1970s until 2023, there's been less than 100 genuine conversions to being Amish. Less than 100 people who have genuinely converted became Amish and actually stayed Amish. So their growth is not taking place by evangelism. They're not taking place by having all these conversions coming in. It's a lot of interior growth taking place, very large families amongst the Amish. And don't kid yourself. It might look like a simple kind of lifestyle. It might look like something that's, that's attractive in some way. Um, they no more have the gospel than what Roman Catholicism does. I spoke to a man uh, at our county fair this past year and just, pleaded with him. He said, well, you can get to heaven by uh, doing right according to your conscience and trying to obey God. And I'd say, no, you can't. That, that's not how any of this works. And I'd share the gospel with him. And he said, well, I guess we can agree to disagree. Said, no, we can't agree to disagree because if I'm right and you're wrong, what I'm saying to you is you're on the path to hell and you're deceived. You need to believe in Christ and trust in Him. Well, we can agree to disagree. And then he walked away. So Amish, it's a works-based salvation. It's not a true religion. And then the last group is the Unitarian Universalists. So we compare evangelical Christianity. There's some growth that we're encouraged about, especially amongst non-denominational churches. But when we look at the false religions, we see there's lots of growth taking place there. A lot of work to do. How about just uh, maybe a measure of looking at the social influence factor amongst solid ministries that maybe many of us would be familiar with and maybe some so-solid ministries or some very concerning ministries or blatantly false ministries. Um, so I went to my YouTube page because YouTube is by far the most used platform for social influence today. Um, and I looked up all the different channels that I follow and I 
listed the number of followers or subscribers that they have. Here are my top ten. Many of these will be very familiar with you guys. Living Waters, that's Ray Comfort's ministry. Desiring God is John Piper. Grace to You, John MacArthur. Ligonier with R.C. Sproul and many others. Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Apologia Radio is um, what James White is on nowadays. Uh, I'll Be Honest is a really solid um, gospel sermon uh, database, I guess I'd say. Uh, Southern Seminary is another one that I follow. Keith and Kristen Getty, if you're familiar with their music. And then the last one would be Heart Cry Missionary Society. I can't think of many other really solid ministries that would be larger than any of these that maybe I'm forgetting about. Uh, the Gospel Coalition was less than, I, I think they would have been about 500,000 or so, but I, just, I don't follow them. Um, and there's a few others, but I think these would kind of encapsulate the, the largest ones that we're most familiar with. How does that stack up as far as the social influence compared to some of these very concerning ministries? Well, here you have just 10 random ministries that I took the time to look up and see how many followers they had. The largest ministry that I followed was Living Waters. They're doing a fantastic job. They have 1.38 million followers. You look on down this line, 9.28 million followers for Hillsong Worship, 4.9 for Bethel Music, 3.36 million followers of Joel Osteen, who is a heretic that does not preach the gospel. Um, And then you can read the rest of it from there. These people have extraordinarily large platforms that they're influencing millions upon millions of people. One of the things, this is just another general, not really comparison, but just something to take note of, things that we can be encouraged about, things that we can maybe be disheartened about. Um, I know the Jones family was with me and the Cox family was with me there at G3 uh, this past year. And uh, it was so encouraging. It was such a delightful time to be surrounded by that many people committed to the truth. And um, it's now the largest distinctly reformed conference on planet Earth. Praise God for how he's using G3 ministries. 8,300 people in attendance. Um, it's just wonderful. It's wonderful to see. The largest church in the United States, pastored by none other than Joel Osteen, hosts about 45,000 people every week. Every week. We've got a lot of work to do. We can be very excited about some of the trends that we're seeing, some of the good things that we're seeing. However, it's just there's still much, much to be done. Well, let's look at Christianity from a local perspective. Uh, What is happening with the church here in Rockford? Well, there's this this took the most time of all the research that I did to comb through all this. And what I did was gather information on all of the 241 different places of worship here in Rockford. And then I went line by line and figured out what denomination that they belong to and figured out information on um, I listened to some of their sermons or, or would listen to at least snippets of their sermons to hear or listen for the gospel, um, to try and determine who actually has the gospel, who's teaching the gospel, how solid does this ministry seem to be as much as I could get from the Internet, from the outside looking in. Well, 25 of the churches that, that I was able to find have just little to no information to draw any clu- conclusion about whatsoever. doesn't say what denomination they belong to doesn't have any information whatsoever about what they teach. There's no videos. There's nothing. I don't know anything. Well, there was 38 churches that seemed to have the gospel where in their literature or in listening to their sermons, I was able to hear the gospel message. Um, Now, I'd have to do much more research further into those before I could say just how solid or, or how much of the gospel they really had, but... Just judging from the outside looking in, that's what I was able to determine. And I found five churches that seemed to be quite solid that I was very encouraged by uh, in that search. On top of that, there was about 50 false churches or places of of false religion 
uh, in Rockford as well. And keep in mind that our population is about 215,000. So here I think it's good to pause again. We think about 38 churches that even have a glimmer of the gospel being preached in them here in our town. There's 215,000 people. Let's just say, shooting very high, that there's 100 people in each of those churches. That'd be 3,800 people. It's less than 2% of people that are actually hearing the Gospel in Rockford on a weekly basis. 2% of our population. It just burdens my heart to hear that. And that's just figuring very high numbers and we don't even know how accurate that actually is. How does that then break down uh, by denomination? There's 24 different non-denominational churches that represent the largest group of uh, Christian churches in Rockford. There's 19 that are ALCA churches. Remember, that's the Evangelical Lutheran Church. There's 15 that are United Methodist. By the way, I think I should mention that as far as geographical influence, nobody even comes close to the United Methodist Church as far as just sheer ground covered and locations. There's about 3,100 counties in the United States. There is a United Methodist Church in about 2,900 of those counties. It's amazing. Very widespread. Nobody even comes close to that. If you look at the map of Southern Baptist churches, it's just right in the south. But there's still others elsewhere as well. Anyways, uh, as far as independent baptism, uh, independent Baptist churches, uh, there are 13 of them. About 50% of them seem to have the gospel. Others were just broadly associated as a Baptist in some way, and I don't see how that label would have fit, but that's what they had on their website. Um, oh, and by the way, about 50% of those non-denominational churches seem to have the genuine gospel. There was eight churches, or sorry, 12 churches that were Church of Christ, eight that were National Baptist Convention, seven that were Southern Baptist. I highlighted those three different groups because of those three different groups, each one of them seemed to at least um, have the gospel or have majority of their churches seem quite solid. Um, six Missionary Baptists, five PCUSA, five Evangelical Covenant Church, and so on down the line. Other groups represented would be there's a Wesleyan church, there's a Reformed Baptist church, not sure who that'd be. There's an OPC church, a Wells church, Open Bible, Church of God Cleveland, African Methodist Episcopal Church, Apostolic Brethren and Friends churches, all sorts of different churches. Along with that, there was many false religions and false churches here in Rockford, um, the most being uh, the Roman Catholics with 17 different churches. Um, the spiritualist churches, <laughs> there's one of them, if you really want to entertain yourself, um, go and, well, maybe don't, but it was just really odd, that's all I'll say, <laughs> reading their website. Um, Christian Scientology, there's an Islamic mosque, there's a place called the Faith Center, um, extremely concerning. I have no idea what I'm even talking about. Some of you probably know that place. I just looked it up. It was very red flags all over. And then there's the Unity Church of, Opera, of, of Rockford, whose main leader lady was on Oprah to talk about how she had found a new path to God. And unfortunately, I did watch that. <laughs> Anyways, um, here are the 38 churches that I really think we ought to be praying fervently for, where I could see that they had the gospel in some form. Um, I don't know really, uh, of those 38 churches, where they're all at, but um, oh, that we would be on our knees in prayer, praying that the Lord would stir up each of these churches and use them. The five that I highlighted really seemed um, to be solid. Uh, some of you had mentioned them before to me. One was First Baptist Church, uh, Grace Reformed Baptist Church, um, Living Stones Church, which I'll mention in a second. They really fascinated me. Uh, I think Jack and Chris O'Brien had mentioned Redeemer Church and Redemption City Church. I think you guys were the ones that had mentioned those to me. And both of them seemed quite solid as well. 
Um, and so I, I really just would ask that all of us be praying for these churches. The Living Stones Church, in particular, on their website, I found this. I was encouraged by that. I had no idea. I've never heard their name before. They're up on the northwest side of Rockford. And so do go on their website and uh, take a look. That's where I found this. Um, they're a Southern Baptist church that holds to the Baptist faith and message. And um, they believe in the 1689 Confession. So very interesting. Some closing thoughts. I know I'm right at 8 o'clock here. And so I will give you some of these applications or thoughts for all of us to chew on as we leave this place tonight and then we will close. The first, make it your highest ambition to earnestly draw near to God, to seek His face and to ask for Him to do a mighty work in our day. If anything, that this presentation ought to have done ought to stir our hearts to prayer. It ought to send us to our knees because we need God to work. Second, be grateful. Be so grateful for what God has graciously given to us. That out of 8 billion people on this planet and out of 550 million Protestants and out of 400 million evangelicals and out of 215,000 people in Rockford and out of all these churches and all these numbers and all these percentages that we've looked at tonight, He's gathered a handful of a few dozen people who meet together week after week, hear the Gospel preached, love each other, fellowship with each other, and serve our King. Praise God for that. Uh, Something that even you can be so close to the truth and still not have it yet. Praise God that we know the Gospel and we can believe it and we can stand for it. Third, know What a terrible time it is to be an enemy of God. Like I started, you may think that some of this uh, talking about the church is, is a discouraging outlook. The outlook for the other side is so much worse. We have every reason to be encouraged. As long as we trust the Lord, we have nothing to fear. We need to be found faithful. We need to trust Him and He'll do His work. And number four, put your hands to the plow. I was listening to Paul Washer in a Q&A. You guys know that I love that brother. And he was uh, speaking about his time he spent as a missionary in Peru. And he was telling this story about how he was at a Q&A and a little young boy came up to the mic. And he said, Brother Paul, what are you going to do when all of Peru gets saved? And he said, Every room, everybody in the room was laughing except for him and the boy. He was committed to it. He had big things of God and he expected big things of God. He had faith in the Lord that he would do what he promised to do. And so I would encourage every one of us to have that same sort of affection, that same sort of faith, and do the work that God has called us to do. May we be found faithful. God bless it. Amen. Let's pray together.